Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. And a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast for all things growth and entrepreneurship. As always, I am your co-host, Kip Bodner. I am joined by my friend, the marketing legend, the man who, when he's not tweeting, is at the beach. Kieran Flanagan, what's up, dude? What's happening? Doing good. I'm ready for some hot takes. I have a cool way of kicking this pot off. Oh, please. It's related to our topic, but I actually have to share my screen. What is this? What do you see? You describe it for the listeners. All right. So I'm seeing Kieran's screen, and it's a creation. And it looks like somebody who's drinking coffee, looking over a body of water Mm -hmm. next to a trash can while they're sitting in a chair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the AI representation of me drinking tea at my desk. It looks pretty gothic, actually. (laughs) This is like me drinking tea at my desk, watching my crypto portfolio. It's real depressing. This is AI in action. (laughs) Why don't you tell the listeners what we're going to get to in AI? I love that intro, Kieran. Yeah, so today we want to have a big debate around AI. Basically what's happening, I think, to set the stage for everyone listening today is... What is the impact of AI on marketing? But more specifically, will AI make marketing more creative or will it outsource creative tasks? Like, what's it going to do? We've been talking about it for a long, long time with actually like kind of fairly moderate to low levels of impact on the world of business growth and marketing. Like, it's having impact in a lot of places, but it's not like in the daily end user experience in a really noticeable way, like the example of the design that you just showed me, for example, right. Kieran, where that is like, you did that yourself and it felt magical because the computer did it for you, right? Right. And so we want to do the AI episode today. We want to understand the implications, debate the implications of artificial intelligence, further discussed as AI, on today's show. Kieran, I think to help everybody understand the origin, this came from a couple of things. One, it came from the success of Dolly, which is probably the first viable commercial product from OpenAI, which allows anyone to insert like a description and generate an image, right? Basically turn anybody's thoughts into a creative work, which I think is pretty fascinating, pretty interesting, right? 
Right. Kieran, I don't know if you know, but we live in the backlash society at this point in time <laughs> where anything interesting that ever happens, somebody has to have the exact opposite take, <laughs> right? And so then there was a bunch of discussion on the Twitters, uh, too many threads for me to like credit just one, that was largely around, well, what the AI is doing is it's taking all of this known creative work created by individual humans from all throughout history, bringing that together to generate new work. And is that stealing? There became a whole debate of like, is AI just stealing from humanity and all of these new works, like OpenAI making money off of this theft against humanity. So there became like a big discussion about this in, in the world. And I, I think we wanted to bring it to everybody on the pod today. I think one of the important points just to add in there is, I think the backlash was started because they added a payment gate, right? Yes. They added a paid tier. And I think people are like, oh, this is cool when it was free because... You're using like existing art that exists in the world and then it's creating new stuff from that. Oh, but now you're actually charging for that. So you're like, you have a monetary benefit from other people's work or you were getting paid for other people's work. I think that's where the backlash really came from, which really is just like AdWords, <laughs> like Google. You feed in all of the information to Google. It scrapes it all, puts it into its own page and then charges you money for that. Just as aggregator. Well, that's the thing that I want everybody listening to the show today to understand. This is historically and always will be a common period of feedback and backlash for anything that's an aggregator. And so I think when you think about the aggregation theory, it's mostly credited to Ben Thompson at Stratechery. Stratechery newsletter, awesome newsletter. Kieran and I, I know you, we both read it. And he talks a lot about the aggregation theory, which essentially means things bundle and unbundle over time. And the issue we're talking about with OpenAI is just an issue related to any aggregator. You're like Yelp had the same thing happening when it was aggregating all of the restaurant information in the early days, right? Google was search. It's like it goes over and over again. Marketplaces, there's all types of things where this is the case. So I kind of want to actually separate that aggregator business model from our actual discussion on AI. I think it was really important that we frame that for everybody listening, because one of our goals with the show is to make you a much better business leader, not just a marketing growth leader, but a better business leader. And understanding aggregation and the business model of aggregation is very important. Check out Ben's work on that. But I want to get into the nuts and bolts of artificial intelligence and its impact on how it is going to change the way businesses market and grow over the next 12, 24, 36 months. And so one of the things that Dolly has raised, Kieran, is AI's role in creativity. I think before Dolly really came up, we thought AI was going to be more around data, audience segmentation, menial tasks. And I wanted to get your take on like, now that we're seeing AI's role in like frontline creativity, how has that changed your perspective on the role of artificial intelligence going forward? I'll kick off with a great quote from Sam Altman, who is the founder behind OpenAI, where he had this really great tweet where he talked about the fact that AI would start to do what only very talented humans can do today. And he thinks it's going to go in the counterintuitive order, which is creative fields, cognitive labor, and then physical labor. Great for society, not great for individual jobs. And he had a really other good prediction where he's like, AI is going to actually first attack all of the jobs that are done in front of a computer. And everything that is, you know, manual labor, these kind of things in the physical world are going to be last, which is really the counterintuitive way that you think it would go. Mm -hmm. I started playing around with some of these tools. I don't have DALI. I think I did play with an early version of DALI. But there's other versions of that. And so 
I think there's some areas that AI are going to really help marketers do better work where they can actually focus on much more creative work. And you mentioned it in a previous podcast, companies like Descript that use AI to do editing in the videos, editing in the podcast are really cool. There's another company called Luminar AI, which does really cool stuff with editing visuals. And then there's these kind of DALI and there's another one called Star AI that kind of do this, tell the AI what you want and it creates an image. However, the image is that machine's interpretation of what you want. And when it comes to like marketing and doing those types of things, you actually need what you want, right? And if you're working with a design agency Mm -hmm. or something, you go through a process of multiple iterations. So the gap between an AI getting you what they think you want versus what you actually want is still quite large, in my opinion. So I think that AI is going to help with the creative work, but again, with the nuts and bolts of the creative work. Let me give you one great example. Like even think about stock photography. Why would you ever use stock photography on your blog ever again if you can actually create unique images from the AI to use in your blog, right? Mm -hmm. It's still a version of stock photography, but it's a one-to-one stock photography versus one-to-many stock photography, right? You can have those kind of stock photos that are unique exist within your blog and not exist everywhere else and don't look the same as everything else when you actually use them. So I think that's a good example where the base level creative work like images for blogs could actually be replaced by AI, but then you go up a couple of layers and I think there's still a huge gap between what an AI can deliver and like you're trying to do some sort of large brand campaign and need custom imagery Mm -hmm. for and kind of AI really deliver upon what you want there. So many thoughts in reaction to that, honestly. So first of all, what is old is always new, right? And one of the things I know about marketing today that most of the people listening to the show probably know too is the creative's as good as the brief. It doesn't matter if you're having a person or a computer doing the creative work. If the brief, creative brief is essentially what are we trying to accomplish? What is exactly the goals of what we're trying to do? What is the creative direction? Everything that goes involved with like taking this problem we're trying to solve into a message and a design that the whole world can see, for example, right? You're going to have to do the same thing, whether that is a computer or a human. I don't know how that changes. Like that is just fundamentally true. So if you take that as a baseline, then there's a lot that doesn't change about marketing, right? Because my biggest concern, as most people who have listened to more than like one or two episodes of this show know, is around differentiation. Mm. How can you be highly differentiated in your brand and your storytelling? And I am worried that, you know, if you do a bad brief and you outsource it to a computer, then everybody else doing a bad brief and outsourcing it to that same machine is going to have a very similar in product. And the differentiation in the visual and the message is going to be very low and you are not going to be successful. Right. So the creative work AI can do is only going to be as good as the brief. That is, I think, the short-term implications on creative work and marketing that's happening. I need the listeners to understand what I think is a very important thing. If you look at the world we live in right now, everything is always obvious in hindsight. The leverage you have is to see it in the here and now and be able to take action on it. What I believe we have happening in the long, long term is we have a complete disruption of how we work. If you look at the last evolution of business, so you had the industrial revolution and then you had the internet revolution. And the internet revolution... You know who was safe in the internet revolution, Karen? Accountants, lawyers, (laughs) people whose work was very non-technical, right? And very regulatory heavy. It was like really hard to do like all this compliance work where there's a lot of nuances and like it was much harder to make software to solve all those niche problems, right? What do we have coming now, Karen? We got the chain, got the blockchain, baby. The blockchain is going to completely disrupt accounting and law because we have made taxes, legal issues programmable for the first time. 
right? And so what I will tell you is I believe my heart of hearts going through the biggest transformation as a society in terms of how work is going to get done than we have in the last 50 to 100 years. Because I think every profession is going to change. We are talking about artificial intelligence today and its impact on marketing. That's one of the ways I think marketing is going to change. But I think if you look at the technology evolution we're about to go through, I don't see a core profession, a core vocation that is not going to be changed dramatically by the role of technology over the next decade. Agree or disagree? I think there are roles that will not be touched by technology. And that's what I think is fascinating because they are the roles that maybe have been left behind by the evolution of the internet. So tell me more. Technology cannot replace the fact that you need a plumber to come over to your house and do skilled work. Mm -hmm. Technology cannot replace the fact that you want to go to a yoga class and you have a yoga teacher who's very qualified to do that work. Technology cannot replace people in the physical world that actually have real skills. But that's it. If you work in front of a computer, though. Exactly. Like, that's what I'm talking. I'm talking about professional service, professional jobs. I'm talking about very much white collar jobs in this world are going to change dramatically. And it's going to make those in-person experiences more scarce. You did a good job of saying like, hey, if it's not in front of a computer, technologies can facilitate that, but can't replace it. You know, when I've talked to companies about potentially investing in stuff, I've seen some companies do automate code. Yeah. Like, that's one of the craziest things, right? It's like, crazy. It's bananas. Google has AI that writes code. Yes. Just try to extrapolate all of the things that that means for the world. Yeah, it's scary. So if you can ask a machine to write a program, if you can ask a machine to do things to promote that a program, now where's your points of leverage? Well, your points of leverage is in the idea. It is in the idea, right? And so like ideas, I think, are going to become even more important. Like if you think about businesses mm-hmm. today, they can win on a couple of different axes. They can win because they have the best product and they serve their, their customers the best. Or they can win with a subpar product, but actually have an amazing go-to-market motion, great marketing, great distribution, right? There's different axes that they can actually win on. What AI does is actually give everyone a level playing field across all those things, right? You don't need to compete for engineers when the AI is writing your code. You don't need to compete for the best marketers or writers when the AI hypothetically is doing those things for you, Mm -hmm. but you still need to have the right idea on how to solve a real problem. So if I think about section one of our pod today, Kieran, the people in the biz would call it the A block, I think. It's really about the role of AI in marketing growth, how AI is going to change core professions and make the work that we do evolve. But at the same time, we believe fundamentally that there is a core work in terms of the brief, the creativity, the ideation that cannot be replaced by computers. You know, I think that's right. I think if we go to like kind of the next part of the show, though, one of the questions that I have around all of this is like, how fast and how much regulation will happen? Mm. You know, like I want to pose to you a moral question that I think gets to the heart of regulation, Kieran. I want everybody listening to the show today to think about this question and what they would do. Would you, Kieran, drive or ride in a car where the entire computer system was written by a machine, not a human? Uh, no. But I think future generations will, right? Because every generation struggles with the new, and that would just seem very unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, don't you think that points to regulation and how you and I can paint this utopian view of artificial mm. intelligence, but I don't see a world where there's not a regulatory environment that's going to come in on part of this because of certain risks to humanity, just like in that example I shared. Yeah, I think the implications of AI are probably vastly misunderstood by most humans. And it's why Elon Musk's point of views on AI is kind of fascinating 
because he's using AI for self-driving cars, and he at the same time calls it the biggest risk to humanity. It's kind of fascinating, right? Like one of the people who are leading in terms of like AI to build the business is telling the world, this is really, really- <laughs> It's a huge risk to humanity. So I think that's fascinating. I think another fascinating thing is, I know, I know it's a little bit tangential to the regulation point, but there was this really cool study that McKinsey did in 2018 of 400 advanced AI-driven use cases. And actually the majority of them were marketing. So I think if you look at all of the professions, marketing probably is gonna be disrupted first. There's just like much more use cases in marketing where you can actually have AI do a lot of the work. And you see that even there's a bunch of companies now who are doing AI driven content and it has got much, much better over time. But to your point, regulation and all those types of things, they're still trying to catch up with the internet. And I think there's a lot of missteps in the way governments and mm -hmm. like EU and different regions are implementing them. But like, how are they going to adapt and change for AI? I think there is yeah. going to be a lot more regulation and rules on top of that. So basically what we're covering today right now for everybody listening is the risks of artificial intelligence. What are the risks for AI in terms of how it's going to impact your business and growth and how we think it's going to impact society. And Kieran, I'd argue that there are three big risks. And we've talked about two of them, which is Elon's concern that AI becomes too powerful and disrupts society. That's one. It kind of the corollary to that and the related to that is regulation. And what does the regulatory environment look like? And can it be regulated enough to enable culture and society. And the third, I, I think, is interesting and controversial, and I want to get your take on it. One of the things we've talked about on the show so far is AI's role in doing a lot of work that humans do today. Mm. You know, like, for example, the creativity side of things, creating images and everything. I would argue that most countries and civilizations in the world have one major flaw in their economy, and it is the reskilling of a workforce. You know, what happens is, is an economy gets really good at something, whether it be manufacturing, computer development, whatever it may be, right? And they get really, really great at it. And when that thing, over time, that vocation becomes less and less valuable. And then you have to reskill into something new. And we're really bad at that. And what we're talking about with AI and other technology is the potential need to reskill a bigger part of the workforce than ever in human history. And the macroeconomic concerns of that to me are very real. Like, agree or disagree? Well, I think it's even more acute. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's terrifying. Right. If you follow Sam Altman's logic, like, historically, we would have said, hey, automation is going to really impact low-skilled workers. I've heard Sam being interviewed where it's like, hey, like, there's these revolutions. The low end of the market gets disrupted. A lot of that work goes away, but all those people then get to do better jobs. What we're talking about, if his counterintuitive point is right, yes. is the highly skilled people who go and spend thousands mm -hmm. of dollars to go get educated and go work in front of a computer, they're being disrupted. Kieran, I think it could actually be worse than that. What you're talking about is this really smart concept that historically disruption has disrupted the lower skill into the workforce. And you're saying, oh, with artificial intelligence and some of these new technologies, it could disrupt the highest skilled part of the workforce where people have paid a lot of money to go to college. I think it's worse. <laughs> worse again. It could just disrupt the whole thing. It could just take both ends out because that particular vocation just becomes obsolete. Like that's the far extreme, but it's not impossible. Right. I, right. Like, or do you think it is? You just cannot extrapolate all the ramifications from AI because you don't know how it's going to start to behave and what it's going to start to be able to do. I agree. I think it's going to be one of the most disruptive points in human civilization. I think one of the ways it could benefit us is, hey, if AIs are going to do all this work, we each get a little AI counterpart. 
and we get paid for their job. <laughs> yeah. So we all get matched with an AI. Our AI can go to work as an avatar. You're living in a sci-fi novel now. I love it. I'm telling you, the AI goes to work as an avatar. That's our avatar. We get paid for their work, and I just go chill. I'd sign up for that. And then humans just chilling, living their lives, buying crypto, losing their money in crypto, <laughs> buying it back again. No, I think it's going to be pretty disruptive. I don't think we've got completely wrapped our heads around it. There was that really weird story where the Google engineer got fired for talking about the fact that Google has a bot that turns sentient. I listened to Mark Andreessen on Joe Rogan, who talked about that and said it probably is just very good at ingesting data and being able to like figure out how to respond. But it's still somewhat like a really convoluted mm-hmm. you know, branch and tree where it's like, looking, oh, do you say this? So I'll say this. I think what's more interesting is when you have things that are based upon machine learning and it's actually making real decisions and predictions based upon actual machine learning. Yep. That's all pretty terrifying, actually. Um, but at the same time, I think we're, we're offering people the worst case in a lot of these things. But what about marketing, Kip? What's in it for the marketers? Well, that's what I wanted to get into right now. I wanted to close out with some like practical, actionable things that marketers can actually do and feel good about as it relates to artificial intelligence, right? Because I think there's a lot of positivity and artificial intelligence can help take the guesswork out of it. Where are some places that if you were a marketer, you're a business leader, a founder listening to the pod today, that you would push people to start? and consider as it relates to artificial intelligence? I think the entire demand gen funnel can become pretty automated slash AI driven. We should delineate between task automation and machine learning. Like task automation is somewhat of a pre-programmed set of steps that you would take based upon Mm -hmm. inputs. Whereas machine learning is like ingest data and then figure out how to do predictive and choice models. And I think it's important to delineate between those two things. But if you actually think about how we grow today, like programmatic ad buying, AI, a lot of the platforms that we try to work with Google and all these use AI. I think interesting areas for marketers are going to be when we can basically ingest data mm-hmm. and build user journeys that are very personal to that person based upon their firmographics, demographics, and engagement data. Now, we do this today, right? We actually do this today. I just think it can be much, much better. I think a AI program can actually help to make sure they send you the right email at the right time. They can help Mm -hmm. to personalize the website. They can help to do chat and pop up and help you. Not these crappy chat bots, which are decision trees, but actually like the Google bot that can actually really help you and have a conversation with you. So I think within there, like machine learning within your funnel, ingesting data and trying to figure out how to create a great buy-in experience for your customers is likely one of the most interesting places to invest in for a marketer, for a CMO. One thing I'll leave you with is like, I invested in this company, it's pretty cool. And it kind of blew my mind in terms of how AI can help sales. So they can help with forecasts and predictive models, who to work with, but they actually can help coach sales. So this app actually, when a sales is on a call to a prospect and they're talking in real time, there's a little app and it's telling you like, oh, you're talking too fast for this person. You're not using these words. You're not describing this. You haven't done this based upon all of the machine learning of what calls have gone well in the past. And I think that's pretty fascinating, right? It can actually be a real human coach for you and give you actually really practical advice. I want to test an AI two by two on you, Karen. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. I would like the vertical axis to be jobs humans love to do and jobs humans hate to do. And I would like the horizontal axis to be low value for a customer, high value for the customer experience, right? 
Mm. And what I would argue is a lot of the stuff that you were just talking about, I think fits perfectly into that, like very valuable for the customer, but stuff the humans does not want to do quadrant. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like, oh, it's hard for humans to do. It's very complicated. It's actually not that interesting. But wow, does it create a lot of value for the customer, especially when you stack a bunch of those aspects together into one experience. Right. That's the quadrant that I think is the most valuable, most interesting place to start is how do you think about and evaluate technology that will help take away stuff that humans don't want to do, but are very valuable for the customer. Do you agree or disagree with me? Do you like the two by two? What's your take? I agree. I think it's good to have two by two. That's the world we want to live in. I think when it starts to get into the work we want to do, high value work, and that becomes AI driven. I think that's when we start to become pretty annoyed at machines. Oh, completely. So I think that's a good place to start. That is a good quadrant to start. So what we are saying to kind of summarize for everybody listening is, look, the future of artificial intelligence is really unknown, but there's a ton of risks, both for the good and for the bad, as it relates to artificial intelligence. You can't use artificial intelligence or any technology to execute your marketing or growth work at the price of differentiation. You still have to hold on to differentiation and make sure differentiation goes. And where we would start going forward is helping AI solve the problems in our businesses that humans either don't want to do or aren't as well equipped as computers to solve, but are also very, very valuable for our customers. Like, what would you add here? What did I miss in kind of the summary of our discussion today? No, I think that's it. I think much of what we know is unknown. I think if you were looking at this from how does it help grow my business, I think you've given a really great two by two. I think he comes back to one of the episodes we did recently where there's like a chief automation officer. I think that person can figure out how to put the work into task automation yes. and machine learning. And how both of those things can actually help your business grow better and get your people doing much more high value work. I love that, Kip. I wonder if the place we should end this episode is what is your favorite all-time movie about AI? Oh, I love this. This is a great question. I probably am missing a bunch of good ones. But, you know, for better or worse, Kieran, I think Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise for a reason. And I think Minority Report was way ahead of its time. Mm, ooh, I think it was like the right representation of AI, the future at this like very, very early time in its journey. I think it got a lot right and it got a lot wrong, but I thought, I think it's awesome. It's super entertaining. I rewatch it from time to time. So I would go Minority Report. What about you? I like that. That's a good one. That, that would be my top five. Uh, I have to go Terminator 2. Terminator 2? Come on. Liquid Terminator? Oh, Terminator 2 is the best Terminator. Right? I agree. If you don't think Terminator yeah. 2 is the best Terminator, at Search Brat, at Kip Bodner on Twitter. And you're wrong. We want to hear what you think the best Terminator is. And we want to hear what your favorite movie about AI and kind of the future of technology is. There are probably like 10 that we have forgotten. So at Search Brat, at Kip Bodner on Twitter. Or leave it for us as part of your review in Apple Podcasts. We read and shout out everyone in Apple Podcasts. So please leave any thoughts on artificial intelligence, your favorite AI movie there. And until next time, this has been Marketing Against the Grain. I hope you enjoyed our combo on AI. Yeah.